Welcome to the Shelf Games Podcast for the week of September 25th. This is episode number 78. Shelf Games is a lighthearted look at the games of today and the ones still on the shelf. I'm your host, John, and joining me this week is my co-host, Ted. How you doing? Good, man. How you doing? I'm doing swell. There was a lot of, a lot of gumption in that intro. You got some energy, man. Yeah, I know. I know. We were just talking for like 15 minutes. I had to be like, <laughs> okay, we're talking about some like depressing stuff, some good stuff. I'm like, we need to pick this energy up. Yeah. Get this train on the tracks. Yeah, uh, I like so it. We're, Running with a bit of a skeleton crew today, um, but uh, but yeah, how you been? How's uh, how's the life of Ted? You've been you've been playing anything? You've been getting up to any trouble? Not uh, not really playing too much, but I've just been kind of like trying to stay busy with with whatever I can, whether it be yeah. photography or you know a little bit of writing, lots of reading. I'm doing a lot of reading these days. Nice. Um, but yeah, a lot of like photography, like I said, just kind of like brushing up on those skills. So. Yeah. What's up with you? Let's cool. Uh, not too much. Just uh, busy with uh, school and uh, my new job. Uh, did a bunch of writing uh, for the university publication. Uh, some news stuff. Uh, I did this opinion piece about how capitalism is bad. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. Nice. Um, but yeah, outside of that, just, you know, just, just doing my own thing, man. Capitalism is bad. Right? Yeah. But we wouldn't have <laughs> video games if we didn't have capitalism. Um, True. They'd be like government mandated video games, <laughs> like Shoot Gun Man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, we had some. Uh, we had a pretty good episode last week. Uh, we, we sort of touched on the controversy with uh, PewDiePie and uh, you know him saying the N word live on stream. Uh, mm. I, th- I thought we had a pretty productive chat with the whole crew, um, but we had a, a couple comments sort of critiquing our discussion. I, I thought they were kind of fair. Um, but at the same time, uh, I thought we did an okay job covering things. Um, but some of the comments were maybe saying that we were a little bit wishy-washy. Um, mm. But uh, I think it's tough when you, when you talk about subjects like that. Um, because you definitely don't want to say the wrong thing. And you definitely don't want to sound like you don't know what you're talking about. So, yeah, and, you know, anytime something like that comes up, I always try and defer to people um who have you know better opinions than i do or have had those lived experiences so like i would not have let let us have that discussion on the show if chisulo hadn't been there you know right uh because i value his opinion on that as you know a, a black dude living in canada um and as an immigrant right um right. and anytime like topics of like sexism or or anything else comes up um or you know uh i want to make sure that we have a woman on the show so that you know we they can talk about their perspective yeah it can be um, tough to like talk about those kinds of things you know we're mm-hmm. both white yeah. males like it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah for we sure. don't have that maybe we don't have that perspective and uh yeah and also yeah. i never know what the fuck i'm talking about <laughs> so like when i start talking about something heavy like that i'm really careful of like my wording and maybe maybe a little too careful sometimes yeah but uh you know i want to i just want to like put that caveat out there is i don't know what i'm talking about yeah well i mean i i if you didn't have like an opinion and if I didn't value that opinion, you wouldn't be on the show. Uh, <laughs> fair, fair enough. But uh, at the same value. time, at the same time, I sometimes worry about like, oh, don't want another white person just talking about their opinion on the internet. Um, but at the same time, like maybe you do sometimes need a white person denouncing this shit because you've got an orange dude in the White House <laughs> who is just like, hey, you know what? Maybe. Both sides should be listened to when we're talking about Nazis. So, yeah. 
you know what? Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is a seg- segment of people out there who need someone who looks like them to be like, no, this is wrong. Right. Um, so I, I guess maybe just right now before we get into the show, like just quickly double down on just like, you know, fuck PewDiePie, fuck racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, <laughs> all that shit. Um, so that's, that's the official Shelf Games podcast stance. You don't speak for me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, at the same time, I also appreciate the opinions of everyone else that's on the show. And I, I do appreciate when we disagree on things and can have those sort of deeper conversations. Yeah. Um, but anyways, let's, uh, let's maybe talk about some lighter news um, and kind of get into the meat and potatoes of the show. Um, so the new Tomb Raider movie, uh, sort of rebooting that franchise, got its very first trailer. Um, so this is going to be starring Alicia Vic. Vikander, Vikander, um, as opposed to Angelina Jolie, who was a Tomb Raider in year, years past. Um, so this movie looks like it is borrowing uh, quite heavily from the 2013 reboot of mm-hmm. Tomb Raider, uh, where you know it was less about her being sort of like this, uh, you know, uh, just sort of sex symbol, and more about her being an actual adventurer and historian pursuing all these lost relics and, and artifacts and, and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks like they're kind of trying to, uh, you know, model the movie off of that. Um, and you'll, people will probably know Alicia Vikander from stuff like... Uh, Machinima. Ex Machina, sorry. Ex Machina, yes. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what I was thinking of. She was fantastic in that. For a sec, I thought it was uh, Daenerys. I thought it was Emily, Amelia Clark. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, I think their like, facial structure is yeah. kind of similar. Yeah. They look very similar. Um, so what did you think of that trailer, Ted, when you, when you watched it? it? I mean, it looks like a, you know, an action movie I'm probably not going to see in theaters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Just nothing really original really struck me watching that. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like a younger version of, of Lara Croft, right? Um, maybe. I don't know. Like, like it's... That like that 2013 reboot was supposed to be her sort of first adventure, right? Um, so I, I'm guessing with this reboot, they're going to be kind of trying to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I probably won't see it in theaters. I'll probably yeah. watch it eventually. Yeah, they, they, but it's funny because they borrow so many set pieces from the game as well. Um, oh, do like they? Yeah, like there's a there's a scene with like that sort of uh, rusted out plane in the middle of the jungle. Uh, they've got that in the trailer and uh, a couple other things as well. Like her her. Uh, like the clothes she's wearing are almost like the exact same thing that you wear in that, in that same video game. Hmm. Um, so it, it almost looks like a beat for beat copy. Um, but I don't know, man, like I was just gonna say most video game movies are bad. So I don't know if yeah. just sort of doing a carbon copy of like this game is going to work out. Is that how they're marketing it? Is like a video game or like a movie adaptation of that video game? I don't, I don't, I don't think that's in the marketing anywhere. Um, but anyone who's played that game can can see the the similarities for sure. Right. Huh. Well, are you going to watch it? Are you going to go see it? No. It just, <laughs> I mean, it, it, like like you said, it looks like a very sort of generic action movie. Yeah. I don't know. Nothing really stood out watching mm-hmm. that. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, who, who knows if that'll sort of reboot that franchise and if they'll, they'll have any sequels or follow-ups. Yeah. But yeah, Assassin's Creed couldn't do it, so I don't I think... I mean, that was an amazing movie, so... <laughs> You just, <laughs> oh, I watched Jesus. that when I was sick uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I don't remember any of it. Yeah. It's very forgetful. Not because I had any like medication or like anything like that. It was just like, I didn't have any interest in it and I just turned my brain off and just watched. 
there were a couple of like cool action scenes, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's going to be this new Tomb Raider. Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of new announcements, uh, Tokyo Game Show just happened in Tokyo of all places. Who, who would have thought? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and Square Enix, uh, I mean, there, there were a lot of interesting announcements, but I think probably the, the most interesting and the one that we don't really know a lot about is uh, a game called Left Alive, uh, which is coming to us from Square Enix. Uh, so they put out sort of a, a teaser trailer. They didn't really show any gameplay footage. Um, but uh, Yoji uh, Shinkawa, uh, who has done stuff for Metal Gear, is going to be designing the characters. Um, uh, Shinji Hashimoto uh, from Square is going to be uh, producing it. Toshifumi Nabashima, uh, who worked on Armored Core 5, is going to be directing the game. So sounds like they're pulling a lot of their sort of grade A talent. Uh, for this title. Um, so what did you think about uh, that announcement in that trailer? Um, just going by the trailer, it kind of looked, looked interesting. I thought it was going to be like something from The Shining at the start. Mm, mm. You know, like that hallway. Just kind of. Oh, yeah, because they've got like the, the, the shot that sort of pans away from the elevator doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is it like, going to be like The Division? Is it going to be like some weird... I don't know, it, but because, it, I mean, it's a There's smart no game. gameplay or anything. And, you know, but like they're showing off like big like mech suits and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it feels very, uh, very reminiscent of like a lot of Japanese uh, mech anime and sci-fi. Right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I wonder if it's going to be like kind of goofy, you know, like mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid kind of has those goofy moments. I wonder if this is going to have any. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but anyways, that was just an interesting uh, announcement. Um, but speaking with the uh, news out of Japan, it looks like the Nintendo Switch might have a, a little bit of an Easter egg buried in the console itself, like actually in the circuitry of the console. Um, so there was uh, a number of hackers and, and people who were kind of testing this out and trying to figure out what was going on. Um, but what they found is that if you perform a, a motion with the, the Joy-Cons, the, the two motion controllers from, from the Switch, um, on July 11th, um, which is the day that their former uh, CEO, um, Satoru Iwata, passed away in 2015, um, it'll actually unlock a, a, like a buried hidden copy of Golf for the NES, for the Nintendo Entertainment System, um, on, the, on, on, the, on the Switch itself. Um, and that was one of Iwata's earliest games um, because he was a, one of the programmers who, who worked on it. Um, so kind of an interesting... Um, tribute and perhaps an homage that's kind of like buried in the actual system yeah. uh, for Iwata. Um, so it, I guess you, you can't do this if you've already connected your Switch to the internet. It has to be like fresh out of the box. Um, so who knows why they buried it there, but, but what did you think about that? I just thought that was crazy that somebody figured that out. <laughs> like they must have worked on the Switch and like knew it and you know, maybe that guy didn't talk or like show his face because he's works at Nintendo or something. Yeah. Or, or, you know, it was probably hackers that were just like parsing all the code and everything else. And maybe, but like, how do you, how do you find that out? Like it's an actual motion you have to do with your body. Like, how do you yeah. discern that from code? Like what? I don't know. I, I feel like maybe if you, if you find like, uh, you know, something buried in the system software somewhere, you're like, Oh, what is this? And then if you're obsessive, you just spend like hours trying to figure it out and do like a million different things to, to get it to work. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. I love little Easter eggs like that though. Like it just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like a little secret 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, still pretty cool. Uh, again, a nice tribute to uh, Iwata who passed away, um, unfortunately, a couple of years ago at, at a very young age. Um, also, I think one of the interesting things here is that uh, Golf for the NES, uh, apparently when you unlock it like this, there are some motion controls that actually work. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be curious to see. Oh, and there's like an actual Nintendo emulator buried in the Switch's hardware. So yeah. I'm wondering if they ever decide to bring like some of those old like NES and SNES games to the Switch. Um, if they'll like update them with motion controls, like, do you think they would ever do that? And like, I mean, probably. It seems like a lot of consoles are kind of bringing back their old games, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, I could totally see them doing something. And it obviously this proves that they, they can. Like they mm-hmm. can integrate the motion into older games. So yeah, I think this kind of shows maybe where they're gonna go in the future. Yeah. And I wonder if it would like be, even be worthwhile to do. I'm I'm sure it like might be interesting for, you know, younger kids to play some of these older games with with included motion controls. But for us old crusty folks, I don't know if that would maybe ruin the experience for us. Yeah. We wanna just sit down and play with our hands. That was, that was weird. <laughs> Why did I say it like that? I don't know. Moving oh, on. Geez. Um, so, so again, sort of um, talking about PewDiePie and some of the fallout of, of what happened with, uh, with him on his stream, we, we mentioned before that uh, Campo Santo, the developers of Firewatch, had uh, placed a DMCA takedown request against uh, one of his videos that included their game, Firewatch. And um, we, we mentioned that they were probably a little bit quick to to do that they they even said themselves that you know this probably wasn't the best way to do this um but there was a huge backlash uh against campo santo so who knows if they these were pie fans that were you know just upset about this um but uh so pie basically made a video saying like hey this is what happened i had this takedown uh this is a strike against me as a youtuber so i have two more strikes left and then i'll i'd have to take down my youtube channel entirely mm-hmm. um so, so again, kind of a big deal, especially for uh, one of the largest, the largest YouTuber on the planet. Do you think they would ever take down his channel? Like he is like a such a, a contributor to their revenue. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't know. I don't know. I feel again. I feel like they would have to follow their own rules. So, if he had two more strikes against his account, they probably would. Um, mm-hmm. but you're right that that would be like a tremendous loss of revenue for them and for him, obviously. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Like, I'm, I'm, I think people are sick of like apologizing for him and like, uh, are also kind of sick of his shitty behavior. I mean, you, you can go and listen to, to our episode last week where we kind of hash out a lot of this stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that's a good question. Uh, whether yeah. YouTube would, I would try and like f- find a way around punishing him or whether they would kind of stick to their guns. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but anyway, so, uh, he so he he mentioned that like hey this is a strike against me and um firewatch on steam was then review bombed uh and and what that means is you know people kind of flooded to that game's uh store page um and those who own copies or who bought copies could then review it and they basically gave it like crushing negative reviews um so it went from a mostly positive game or at least a, a game that was reviewed mostly positively to one that was mostly negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Campo Santo was, was dealing with harassment on, on their social media and, and whatnot for, for uh, the last few weeks as well. Um, so that's a super shitty. Uh, but 
B, Steam in, in response and Valve, um, the folks behind Steam, um, decided to change the way they show off reviews. Um, so, so they've played with this a little bit in the past um, to sort of try and com- like combat this, this dilemma where I think that this was also an issue with No Man's Sky as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what they would do is show you like the most recent reviews, like from like the last few months, and then they would show you like lifetime reviews. Um, so if, if a game sort of changed over the course of its life, you would have a better sense of like, oh, maybe it wasn't so good when it came out, but now most of the, the reviews are pretty positive. Yeah. Um, so what they've decided to do is show like a, a histogram of reviews over, over the game's lifetime. So you'll basically literally see a bar graph uh, of what the reviews look like. Um, so what did you think of them implementing that system after this latest um, incident of re- review bombing? Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, it, I think it's kind of a step in in a direction to show, you know, which reviews are legitimate and which ones are just complete bullshit. Like, if a game hasn't had any recent updates or, like, any main, you know, changes, and then all of a sudden you have this massive, you know, downvote bomb, like, obviously there's something outside the context of the game itself that people are doing this. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, yeah, this is, I think this is kind of a way to show maybe why is it getting so many negative reviews in this one section for no reason? Like, right. I don't know, it kind of, I think it kind of makes sense. What yeah. do you think? I think the, the biggest concern that a lot of people have is that it forces the user to sort of do their own research or to like be in the know about what is happening. Because if you, if you look at like the chart and be like, oh, it had really good reviews until this date. And you go, well, what the fuck happened on this date? Um, then you all of a sudden you have to like turn into a detective and be like, oh, did a, did a patch come out that people didn't like? Um, did the developer say something, you know, did they express their politics on Twitter and then people kind of attacked them for that? Or um, maybe they introduced microtransactions and people were fucking pissed about it. Like, I think it, it makes it. To your point, I think it's yeah, it's cool because it's a little bit more clear and you can actually see. The lifetime of reviews for, for for that game, yeah. But it also can make things more confusing because it's not telling you why they fluctuate. It's just telling you that they fluctuated. You think it'd be better to have like a point next to like the low spike or the high spike, maybe like a major thing that was happening at the time, or like maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the answer to that is. Because um, I mean, like, I think it's a it's a good practice to be like to make informed purchases. Mm-hmm. Like if you're looking at a game and it's like, it has a bunch of negative reviews and like maybe look into those and like see why. I mean, yeah, I, I just, I don't think it's a bad thing that people have to do a little bit of legwork to see why a game had those reviews. Like, right. I don't know if it's completely up to valve. Maybe there's something they can do that can kind of like balance the situation out. But like, I don't think it'd yeah. be tough. It'd be tough to like micromanage every game they release on steam and sure. oh, okay, this is why this game got downloaded. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, uh, agree with your point that like, you know, as the consumer, like there should be some onus on them to like, you know, do their homework and like, but, um, I can also understand the person who is just like casually browsing and might not purchase something cause they like casually go to a, a games page and they go, Oh, mostly negative reviews. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm not going to bother. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think you're right as well that, uh, you know, if, if you're like, oh, I should check out No Man's Sky. And then all you do is look at the reviews when that game first came out. You'd be like, oh, fuck this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at some of the more recent ones, you'd be like, oh, they've actually changed a lot. And then you kind of dig into, oh, they've been doing these updates and they've been putting out patches and it's been getting slowly better over the last few months. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know where I come down on this, but uh, I definitely see your point about like how the, the onus should really be on the user. Maybe on that histogram, they could have a little like timeline dots of when they update the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe they like if it's a huge distance between the last update, maybe it'd be like, why did it all of a sudden get? But if it's like right on a dot, it's like, oh man, I bet that update totally bricked the whole thing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that would. Work. It's definitely an interesting idea. I think uh, Steam often has this problem where they'll they'll implement a new system and they don't necessarily. I don't want to say think it through all the way, but like it, it can cause like just as many problems as they were trying to solve. Mm-hmm. To PewDiePie's credit, um, he did, uh, you know, publicly say on, on Twitter um, that, uh, you know, he, he wasn't uh, a fan of, of people review bombing Campo Santo. Um, so that was, uh, I mean, well, I'll just read his tweet. He says, abusing DMCA is wrong. Um, so basically like what Campo Santo did to him. But then he said, but so is review bombing. I'm not condoning the Firewatch reviews. That's um, good. That's good. But, you know, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> You're just not a fan, hey? No. Um, <laughs> uh, and speaking of games that I am not a fan of, uh, Battleborn. I don't know if mm. anyone remember that that game was still a thing. Nope. Uh, so it looks like Battleborn is going to be getting its very last update uh, this fall. Um, and it looks like Gearbox will... I don't want to say not be supporting it. Like they're going to keep their servers up, but they're not going to be working on that game anymore moving forward. Um, So Battleborn was a hero shooter that unfortunately came out right around the same time that Overwatch did. Oh shit. And Overwatch drank its milkshake. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, there's, there's no way to be, you know, to, to, to say it any other way, but like, uh, I think Overwatch put out a free beta when ba- uh, Battleborn launched. I literally forgot the name of the game for a second when Battleborn oh, launched. That's, that's brutal. Yeah. Um, I also think there was, a, the, the, the genre became very crowded around this time. There was a lot of games that were coming out that were trying to do the same thing. And the name is just so bad. Battleborn. I mean, if you think about Overwatch, Overwatch is a bad name too, but they're Blizzard and they can do whatever they want. <laughs> um, but I, th- I think like there's a lot of confusion about uh, Bloodborne, Battleborn, Battlecry was a game that Bethesda eventually canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, Battle, there, there was Toads. a couple of, what? Toads. Battle Toads, there you go. Yeah. Um, there, there, was, there, there was some confusion in, in the naming convention. Um, and I think it, yeah, just totally got buried under the, the hype that was, um, Overwatch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll just read a, a quick quote. They say, um, you know, the, there's currently no planned content after the fall update details of any future changes or news will be made on the forums through social media. Um, so it sounds like most of the team there is going to be moving to another project at Gearbox, which they say is quote, highly anticipated. So that could be, um, borderlands three or it could be something else maybe they haven't announced it yet uh who knows um so ted did you did, did you even fucking remember that Battleborn <laughs> battleborn was a game and no man yeah i had no idea overwatch just took over and mm. yeah i bet like battleborn is like 
the the good woman that you should have ended up with and then <laughs> overwatch was just like the hot fucking like terrible soul-sucking woman that you do end up with and Nic- it's just nickel like, and diming you with microtransactions <laughs> yeah and then you look back you're like oh we got, we got a battleborn <laughs> so she's gone now like <laughs> yeah um i'm trying yeah. to think of like other games that that i always get confused with this one um gigantic is another one that just came out but that's sort of like a a hero sh- shooter cross with like a, a MOBA, I think. Okay. Um, but you know, they, they all kind of have very, I don't want to say similar, but like, just like cartoony art styles. Yeah. Um, and Which it, I'm it, not a big fan of, I don't know. Yeah. It just kind of takes it away, takes the game away from me. Yeah. I mean, um, it's just me, but. Yeah. I just don't necessarily think there was enough to sort of set it apart um, when it came out. Um, yeah. It just, Oh, and then the other thing is, is it was, you know, a full price game when it came out and then eventually they had to go free to play, um, which will either really help a game or it'll kill it. Um, so yeah, anyways, unfortunately that game's shutting down. So if you're a big, if, for, for all the Battleborn fans out there, uh, my, my heart goes out to you. Sorry to all five of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but speaking of games that kind of look the same and have cartoony art styles, uh, we talked about Fortnite last week. Yeah. Um, so that is from Epic Games, uh, the folks behind like the Unreal Engine. So, you know, I would say like half the video games that we play are, are or if not more, are, are uh, done with Unreal. Uh, but Epic has been working on Fortnite for quite some time and they are in beta now. I, I don't even know if that game is actually officially released. Um, but we talked last week about them announcing a big battle royale uh, spinoff. Mm hmm. And um, they even sort of said like, hey, you know, we, we were kind of, kind of inspired by uh, Battlegrounds and, uh, you know, H1Z1, games like that. Uh, but before we get into all of that, there was an interesting occurrence um, this last weekend where Xbox One users playing Fortnite and PlayStation 4 users ended up playing together, uh, which theoretically they're not supposed to. A spokesperson from Epic did confirm it. They said we had a configuration issue and it has now been corrected. Um, And I think fans were a little bit upset that, you know, hey, if it was that easy to do, why would you fix it? Why don't you Mm -hmm. just like like leave this the way it is? Um, I think we've talked about this in the past with Rocket League um, because the folks over at Rocket League, uh, over at Psionics rather, um, have said that cross-platform play between the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 is possible. I think they even said it was like literally a checkbox in a menu somewhere. Oh, wow. Um, but they said, quote, PlayStation has not yet granted us permission. Um, and so th- th- there has always been this sort of, I think, uh, want from a lot of fans just to be able to play with their friends regardless of the console that they're on. Mm-hmm. And in the last couple of years, we have seen more cross-platform play, uh, especially in things like Rocket League. Um, so what did you think about this little incident with Fortnite, Ted? And I know you've, you've played a lot of Rocket League in the past as well. And so what are your thoughts on like cross-platform play? Well, I'm, I'm kind of glad this like accidentally happened. Otherwise, I don't think it ever would have on purpose. Mm-hmm. Sony seems to be very strict about allowing this to happen. Um, and I think it kind of opened up, I mean, maybe not like a huge audience, but it definitely kind of um opened up people's eyes to like hey that actually was pretty cool being able to play with ps4 slash xbox players and mm-hmm. so like since it accidentally kind of happened maybe sony will see like hey shit maybe we could benefit from 
kind of opening up the gates and seeing what happens because of it. Right. Um, I mean, I see why they wouldn't because it like they want to have a focus on their consoles, but like they're all, they're, they're they're also like winning this generation by like 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 very handily. Like they've sold way more PlayStation fours than Xbox ones have been sold. Is that because it's a better console, or is it because? Like, what do you I think? think? They, I think they just had a better launch because if you think back to like when the Xbox One was announced and there was all that stuff with like DRM and like always online, and that really right. turned off a lot of people. Um, yeah. But I think in the in the last few years they've been able to like turn that around, and I think they've been able to like make up some ground. But um, I think PlayStation because they're kind of like quote winning this this generation, they don't have to play nice, right? Uh, so who knows if like Xbox was actually in the lead, if they would be as open to cross-platform play, you know, as they are now, because even Phil Spencer, you know, the head of Xbox, um, you know, has said in the past that, you know, he he wouldn't mind if, if they had gone, uh, cross-platform even for things like Minecraft, right? Mm -hmm. Um, cause, cause currently in Rocket League, if I'm not mistaken, you can play, uh, like PC players can play with PlayStation players. Mm -hmm. but can PC players play with Xbox players? Uh, I haven't seen that. I've only seen PlayStation, PlayStation and yeah. Uh, PC. Okay, yeah, because I think that's that's sort of the the one thing is like you know Rocket League would like to include Xbox in that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think a game like Rocket League or Fortnite is going to be the sole reason why someone buys a console. Mm-hmm. I think with small games like that, like they would benefit a shit ton being able to play cross-platform because guaranteed you either already have the console or you're going to buy it because of other reasons not because of a game like fortnite or rocket league yeah and it it just i don't know it just kind of opens up the community a bit more and makes it a little less hostile i think yeah for sure and and i think uh, another big thing that uh a lot of game developers are probably dealing with now is like segmented audiences and like because there is so so there are so many games out there demanding our attention your audiences will become smaller and smaller as people move to other things, right? Yeah, so exactly. It, it almost seems like it would be better for the health of your game for all your players to be able to play with each other, right? Yeah, definitely. And instead of just being like, nope, uh, Xbox people, you just play with Xbox people. Because, um, yeah. you know, Rocket League is very popular, but it, imagine a world where people started to fall off because like some other hot Rocky, Rocket League type game came out and everyone jumped ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden you have, you know, only a, a, a couple thousand people on Xbox playing that game. Um, you would definitely be like, well, shit, we, we've got still a few thousand people, but they're all segmented on these different consoles. Yeah, totally. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, speaking of Fortnite, uh, kind of hinted at the fact that, uh, or rather we, we, we talked about the fact that they announced their battle royale um, sort of game mode, um, but since we we talked about that on last week's show, they have decided to spin that out as its own game. Yeah. Uh, so Fortnite battle royale, and uh, the other big thing is that because they've been working on on Fortnite for so long, uh, Fortnite ba- battle royale will come to consoles before PUBG. Ooh, and that's kind of a big deal. There's been a bit of a war of words between uh, Epic Games and the folks behind Fortnite and uh, Bluehole, uh, the folks that uh, own Battlegrounds. I'll, I'll just pull this, this quote from uh, Chang uh, Han Kim, 
uh, over at Blue Hole, and he says, quote, Epic Games references PUBG in the promotion of Fortnite to their community and in communications with the press. This was never discussed with us, and we don't feel that it's right. The PUBG community has and continues to provide evidence of the many similarities as we contemplate further action. So stupid. <laughs> so it, yeah, it sounds like uh, fighting words from the for- <laughs> folks over at Blue Hole. Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of complicated. Uh, what were your first thoughts about this, Ted? I thought of uh, that big YouTube kerfuffle with the React. Mm. Like the React thing where they're going to copyright like any reaction channels. Right. And it's it's, whenever I hear something like that where it's just like you start to kind of make yourself the only player in town because, you know, you can copyright strike and, you know, it feels kind of cheap and it just feels like, what the fuck? Like make a better game. Right. And maybe learn from other games that are trying to do your style and then just like, I don't know, you guys have the highest sales or like the highest (laughs) concurrent players on on steam right now like yeah what are you worried about right now? <laughs> and, and i think to what to what your your example kind of highlights is like how do you how do you uh corner the market on a genre like how do you copyright a genre right yeah like i hate that that's even a thing that we're considering mm. um especially when you think about the history of battle royale games um we've talked about it a bit on the show in the past about how like you know most of these started as mods for Arma 2 from Bohemia Studios, or sorry, Bohemia Interactive. Um, and even Brendan Green was kind of playing those and then ended up working on DayZ mm-hmm. and ended up working on H1Z1, King of the Kill. Yep. And then eventually did Battlegrounds. So, like, there's a long history here. Um, and, and, you know, the Battle Royale genre, like, goes even further back uh, than Arma 2. Um, so, it is a little bit weird that Blue Hole again, being sort of like, you know, hot shit on campus is <laughs> kind of like punching down at Epic Games, who's, yeah. who's no small minnow in, in the pond of video games either. Um, literally, you know, Epic Games, like I was saying earlier, own Unreal Engine. Everyone uses Unreal Engine. Yeah. Um, if, I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken, Battle or Battlegrounds uses Unreal Engine. Um. So it, it is a little bit weird that they would want to pick this fight. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just like, it, it kind of reminds me of like Mean Girls, you know, where it's like the, the nerdy new chick at school. And then all of a sudden she gets popular and then she starts <laughs> being mean to all the nerds. And it's just like, no, you remember where you came from. <laughs> like, you were one of them. And, yeah. you know. I, I don't know. The more I hear about this this Brendan Green fella, the more I'm not too sure about that guy. Well, I, I don't even necessarily know if this is Brendan Green uh, who is kind of, you know, poking this with a stick or if it's the folks at Blue Hole. Some say he's the new PewDiePie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Really? <laughs> no, not at all. But like, I, I don't know. I just think about like, you know, when they first announced PUBG, they're like, yeah, we're not going to do any small purchases. We're not going to do any like as or um what am i looking for just like skins and stuff like we're right. not going to do any of that and then all of a sudden they did that yeah and it's just like okay now we're thinking about this is our genre we own battle royale it's like fuck off yeah just keep making a sweet game yeah a lot of this sounds like corporate people yeah. in business suits sitting in an office you i know? just like to blame one person you know yeah uh uninformed uh, I'm, I'm sure green is Probably, I don't know if he's, I, 
to be frank, I, I can't even say what you know he might think about this whole thing. Maybe he saw the Fortnite Battle Royale thing. It was just like, oh, that's sweet. Um, <laughs> or maybe he was just like, fuck those guys. Who knows? Who knows what he was thinking? Yeah. Um, but it really feels like, uh, again, that blue hole, uh, the publishers are kind of being like, yeah, this is our thing. Um, but but at the same time, like people iterate on genres all the time, right? Yeah. Um, people copy video games all the time. Like if you look at uh, the iOS and Android stores, like there are like a million fucking copies of Flappy Bird and like Super Mario Run and and whatever else, right? Yeah. Oh man, I worked I, I worked at a game studio in Edmonton for a little bit, like for an internship. Mm. And one of the games we made was uh, called Streaker Run. Okay. And it was like right after uh, Temple Run came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, okay, I'm <laughs> I'm a part of that uh, <laughs> of that thing that's happening. You're so part of, part of the problem. Yeah, but I mean, it's like a, it's a different game. If people see something succeed, they're going to try and like, okay, how can we make this game better? How can we put our own twist on something? Mm-hmm. And I don't think, you know, they should be having a monopoly on just a style of game. Like, yeah. Oh, God. And and like we said last week with, with Fortnite announcing Battle Royale or its own version of Battle Royale, like that is that is only the start with, with how popular PUBG has become in, in as short of a time as it's been out like that is just the opening that that's like the first trickle of water you know that that's sort of seeping through the dam before it bursts wide open and we're going to get a million other battle royale games yeah exactly so i don't know man well whole world's going to shit (laughs) whole world's going to shit so let's complain about video games yeah exactly so a bit of a light news week um but uh ted let's maybe talk about some of the stuff that we are playing let's uh go to off the shelf um any games that you want to talk about today um i've been having PUBG dreams okay (laughs) i've been like it's weird like i'll wake like i'll be half awake in the morning and i will be like in my head in a game of like legit PUBG. like not like a weird like dream nightmare version like i'm literally playing PUBG in my head and like even like I'll switch positions on the pillow like left or right to like switch what side I'm holding my gun. <laughs> it's weird, and I haven't been playing it that much lately. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's just in my brain now. Maybe it's like your body reacting to withdrawals. Maybe I just don't need a computer anymore. Like I can just play it <laughs> <laughs> mentally. Um, so that's a thing. Other than that, no, I haven't really been playing yeah. much. I tried. Um, I tried Alien Isolation with VR last week. Yes, because you had mentioned um, last time we recorded that you, you were kind of f- trying to trying to get it working, but you hadn't had a chance to yeah. try it out yet. So uh, now that you've had a chance to try uh, Alien Isolation in VR, how was that? It's fucking terrifying, man. Yeah. It's so scary. Um, I could only play in like short bursts though, because I found myself getting pretty motion sick. Oh, okay. I tend to get motion sick um, like in cars or anything like that. So I don't know. There's still a few things like where if you lean in to look at a computer screen and just the, w- just the way the Oculus kind of like interprets that, that data of you moving forward, like it, uh, it's like out of focus, but in focus and it just fucks with my head. Right. And like, there, so it's like a mod, like there's not, not a lot of refinement to it. Um, like if you look down at your feet and you lean forward, like you, you see your whole character just like lean forward, like you're the tips of your feet, like lean into the ground. Oh, uh, okay. So it's like a bunch of little things like that. So, so do you think that's that's an issue with the the game and the software and it's sort of like uh port to VR or do you think that's more of uh, a limit of like the Oculus as it is right now? Um I think it's just 
the port. It's the mod. Oh, okay. It's not, I don't think it has any limitations to do with the Oculus. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's just like one person that basically put this mod together. Oh, okay. And just, no, just kind of made I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that, that it wasn't an, an official thing. Yeah, no, no, you got to go through a third party thing. I think it's called like Mother. The mod's called Mother something. I can't exactly remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's just a few things like that. But as far as like the gameplay, and like scary moments, oh my god! Wearing the Oculus just made it so much more intense. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's one of the scariest I think gaming experiences I've ever had. Yeah, that's really cool. And uh, one of the first times that I've actually like really enjoyed using my Oculus mm-hmm. with games because it's just like I haven't yeah. really done much of that. I-, I was gonna ask if you've like had other experiences with the Oculus where you've al- you've also kind of felt like really sick. Um, um, or, or do you think again that it's just sort of like the the mod that wasn't as good of a port as it could have been? Um, I think for the most part it was just the mod. Okay. Um, but I have felt motion sick before. Like I had like the um, it's like a roller coaster simulator, yeah. and it's just like three little roller coasters that they give you. Um, the biggest thing for me is like when I would go around a corner on the roller coaster, I didn't have that um, like inertia that you right, normally right. get. Yeah, and just like the fact that. I mentally, I feel like, oh shit, I'm about to go around this corner. And then like my body feels no force going around the corner. Right. And like, I think it just kind of self-destructed and I was like, okay, I need to take this <laughs> off for a sec. Yeah, but for sure. Hopefully they kind of like refine the, the alien mod because it's super cool. Yeah. You'll have to let us know if you try it out again because I'm not one for the spookies. So you're going to have to let us know I'll take, how, how I'll it take is. some gravel and just <laughs> suck it up. Yeah. Just go. Um, so I played a, a small sort of text-based adventure game uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, so this comes from uh, Mike Bithel Games, um, and he's probably better known for games like Volume and Thomas Was Alone, which I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. Um, so this is called Subsurface Circular, um, and it's a short game. Uh, I think it only took me a couple hours to get through. Uh, I've been playing through a lot of kind of just shorter stuff uh, when I have you know a couple of hours. Um, but it was really cool. You sort of play this robot detective in a city where, um, you know, humans are just out there doing human stuff. And but there's like a whole subset of like worker drones that perform mm-hmm. like a number of different tasks. Like there's a robot that's like a nanny, and one that's like a um, like a teacher, or one that's like a janitor, or, or what have you. And you play like a like a, a police robot, so like a detective, and you're kind of on what they call the subsurface circular, which is like the the transit system that kind of runs underneath the city for the robots to get around to wherever they need to be. Right. Um, and you literally spend the entire game on the train, just sitting there, and you go to a stop and people, new, new robots get on and, and other robots get off. And you just sit there and you try and solve uh, this mystery. You, you try and solve a disappearance. Um, and it's really fucking good. It's all, it's all text-based. Um, you know, it's a very simple game, but it looks really polished and it has a really cool aesthetic. And yeah, it's just all just sort of in, in text chat. And um, I don't want to give too much away because it, it is obviously a very like story-based game. Um, but it's got like a quirky sense of humor and um, some light puzzle solving because you sometimes you'd have to like talk to one robot and then they're like, well, I, you know, I, I can't say more unless blank. And then you talk to a different robot and then they kind of give you the piece of the puzzle that you need to like get the information out of the other robot. Um, 
and it, it'll get a little bit more complex uh, after that. But uh, but yeah, subsurface circular uh, from uh, Mike Bithel. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, really enjoyed it. I'll check it out. Um, okay, let's uh, move into uh, some non-gaming recommends. Uh, Ted, what do you want to recommend to the folks at home today? Like I said, I think I mentioned this last week, but I finished American Gods. Yes. Uh, by Neil Gaiman. That's a really good book. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Um, I watched the first episode of the series that they put out earlier yep. this year. It was like kind of campy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seemed like kind of one of those B, like supernatural kind of shows. Right. Not shitting on supernatural, but just like that kind of, I don't know, that kind of style. I wasn't a big fan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the book's really good. And another book um, that I'm just about finished is another one that you lent, lent me. Uh Verbal Judo, The Gentle Art of Persuasion by George Thompson, I think his name, mm-hmm. is uh, really good, really informative, um, really hits home like how, you know, empathizing with someone's a lot better than criticizing them or, or confronting them if you have a disagreement. Right. And- yeah. I think the interesting thing about that book is that dude was like a, like a black belt judo instructor for a long time. Yeah. And then he was yeah. like a, like a cop. And he was just always beating the shit out of people. <laughs> and he like it was funny because he's like telling the story of how he beat the shit out of like three guys on his first day. Yeah. And then the next day his chief called him in. And he's like, Oh man, I'm about to get like a promotion. Like I did like really good crime work. Yeah. And he goes in there and his, his chief's just like, What the fuck? <laughs> Stop doing this. Like yeah. people are getting angry at you. And yeah. uh and just the way that he kind of transitioned with, you know, using his words and just kind of seeing like, hey you're saying you don't want to come with me, but look, if you don't come with me, you're not going to sleep at home. You're not, you're going to miss your wife. You're, you know, she's going to be mad. You might lose your job. You might stay in jail for a long time. Right. And you just kind of like show them why they should agree with you. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and again, to your point about sort of, I, th- I think what he really hits home in that book is just like empathizing with the person that you're talking to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, really, really cool book. Um, so I recommend that those two. Awesome. Um, my recommendation is to, uh, maybe try out a genre that you're not familiar with. Um, I used to be really into heavy metal. Um, and I kind of wasn't growing up. It wasn't until I was like in my early twenties that I kind of started listening to that that genre of music. And I think when people hear heavy metal, they just kind of like think of like incoherent lyrics and just like noise. Um, so I'll recommend two bands that are like good introductions to heavy metal. Uh, the first is more of a classic band and that is Iron Maiden, uh, probably a little bit, a little bit more well-known. Um, but, uh, listen to some other earlier stuff. Uh, like I would say, uh, maybe Killers or perhaps Power Slave. Uh, no, sorry. Number of the Beast. Listen to Number of the Beast. That's their best album. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so not really the sort of screamo heavy metal that you might be used to. Mm. Um, and for perhaps a band that I think is more of a modern take on that, or even like a modern Metallica, uh, I recommend Trivium. Um, they're really, really solid. Um, so I think check out one of their more recent albums, like uh, Silence in the Snow or In Waves. Um, and yeah, maybe uh, give, uh, give heavy metal a try. Give it a shot. I was talking to you last week. You ever heard of like Gent, D-J-E-N-T, Gent Metal? Nope. It's just like, see if you like it. Because it's like, I don't know, really, um, I don't even know the word to describe it, but it's just like a lot of start and stop kind of sounds. <laughs> I don't know. Listen to it. Tell me what you think. Cool. 
I'll have I to. Like, I like listening to when it. I work out. So. Yeah. When I work out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I know you got to go work out now before you got to head to work. So yeah. uh, let's uh, wrap things up. So thanks again, Ted, for hanging out with me today. Like I said, a, yeah, bit, of a bit of a more chill show. It was. No worries. Um, and folks, you can send us letters about the interesting and off the wall music genres that you listen to and about how much you fucking hate PewDiePie. <laughs> <laughs> so send those to us, shelvegames at gmail.com. Of course, you can find the podcast at shelvegames.com slash podcast, or we are also on the iTunes and Google Play stores. Uh, please, please, this is my, my uh, plea to all of you folks at home. Uh, go to the Apple podcast page on iTunes uh, for Shelve Games and leave us a nice little rating and review because that gives us better placement on the store. It gets more people seeing the show, uh, and that would really uh, be a huge help to us. Um, you can follow us, follow us on Twitter at Shelve Games. I'm at John underscore tab. And of course, we're also on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for Shelve Games. Uh, live streams are every Monday to Thursday, uh, starting around 6 Pacific time, twitch.tv slash Shelve Games. And music for the show is by Zed Ion, who you can find on SoundCloud. Uh, Ted, where can people find you? Check out my Instagram. I'm posting a lot there lately. It's just Teddy Gage. Um, T-E-D-D-Y. Can you just put it in the link? Can you put it in the link? I can do that. Yeah, it's Teddy Gage. Uh, and then my website is edwardspensley.com. Oh. And I just finished it. And nice. I like it. But you want to check it out. Cool. Uh, do business. Is it going to be Instagram famous one of these days? Oh, fuck. No, dude. I don't have the, the, there's a lot of, there's a lot of very attractive women that are Instagram famous and I am not one. Not neither of those things. <laughs> I'm not either of those things. So what can I say? Um, well, I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll pray to, thanks uh, man. To all of the gods that I, I pray to you on the American regular. gods, American yeah. gods. Yeah. Instagram God. <laughs> uh, so thanks again, Ted, for hanging out. And uh, thanks to all you folks at home for hanging out with us as well. Um, and we will catch you next time. So until then, go and grab a game off the shelf because you never know what you're going to find. condoms today that's a trip and i always like every time i buy them i always go to like the self-checkout kiosks mm -hmm. and just like don't have to worry about that situation but there's like none of those kinds of places around here yeah so i had to talk to a human bought some condoms i was gonna get some like avino moisturizer too because i'm out but i thought it'd be like a weird yeah. <laughs> combination so i just got vitamin d and condoms yeah because at, le at least that way it looks like you're actually going to use them with another person. Yeah. Yeah, it's way less lonely looking. Yeah. I mean, dude, like, you're in your late 20s. You shouldn't, like, worry about buying condoms anymore. Just, like, when I, like, get my groceries, I just, like, got my, like, vegetables and, like, my snacks and, you know, stuff for lunch. And I just throw some condoms on top. Oh, fuck you. You still feel weird when you buy condoms. Well, yeah. You put but... them through and they're just, like, you just know there's, like, an energy there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think like people who work cash must like see so many weird purchases that like condoms are probably like the least weird thing. Yeah, no, true. I always end up with like the awkward like teenage girl, and it's like her fucking first week, and it's just like, <laughs> oh my god, they're condoms, extra small. <laughs>